Welcome to Art Heroes with JPH, where we believe art can heal, connect, and galvanize. I'm your host, Joanna Patrice Haggerty. On this show, I am honored to have some of the nation's most innovative leaders, artists, and innovators to share their unique and valuable experiences, processes, practical tips, and inspirations. Today with me is Courtney Mackhan, who is a climate and environmental justice communications professional based in New Orleans. Courtney was born and raised in a petrochemical and fossil fuel sacrifice zone of Southeast Texas and has deep family roots in endangered bio communities of Southern Louisiana. Their podcast, Breaking the Cycle, empowers people from the Permian Basin to the Gulf Coast with the information and analysis they need to understand how the fossil fuel industry, racism, and corrupt political systems impacts their health, culture, and economic well-being, and provides them with ways to become leaders in the fight for a just and healthy future. Court is also involved with the Climate Listening Project and is our third guest to join us from this. If you aren't familiar, the Climate Listening Project is artists and activists working together in the Gulf Coast. I brought Court on today to talk about their work with the Mural Project, the Climate Listening Project, and more. But first, Courtney, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for inviting me onto the show. Yes, there's so many juicy things to unpack, and I'm just, again, really grateful. We just had Dana on last week, so if anybody's curious to learn more, there's this beautiful tie of this story. But let's unpack the story of Courtney a little. So the first question I always ask is, what was life like for you as a young child, and how did you kind of get this young inspiration to do the work that you're doing now? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you kind of said it at the beginning of where I grew up, but to reiterate, I grew up in a place called Orange, Texas. I was born in Port Arthur, which isn't that far away, um, but it's in this place called the Golden Triangle, and a really easily overlooked area of the country, but it's like a really significant for like energy and plastic production. Um, that's where you see a lot of refineries and like um, oil and gas plants, that kind of stuff, petrochemical plants, um, and all the, like the associated infrastructure that goes along with it, including like, you know, rail cars and you see like huge like boats, um, like tanker ships and stuff like that. So that was sort of like my skyline um, growing up. Um, and it's like very, it's Texas, but it's very swampy. It's almost indistinguishable from Louisiana. So um, that's to say that I, I mean, of course, like that, just like that upbringing alone really influenced what I became interested in. Um, I used to like not want to do anything like related to Southeast Texas or Louisiana at all bitter about it. Cause I, yeah. <laughs> Cause like growing up there, you're, it's not like, you know, it's not like, I, I mean, I love a rural place, but it's not even just rural. It's just like rural and very like polluted and there's not like a lot going on. And I just thought that all I would really want is to get out and I did for a moment and then after a while I started like piecing together a lot of different like aspects of my life that are just like kind of um I think important honestly in the fact that like for example like my brother is a burn victim from like mm. over 15 years ago from a chemical fire um and that was like he's alive and well but that was like a devastating moment but it is something that you move on from but it's like also just like normalized, but then also like where my dad is from, my dad is Homa, um, which is the is an indigenous, um, and the original people of Southern Louisiana. Um, and they're, that's like the fastest disappearing place in the country. Like the lands mm -hmm. are literally disappearing and like there's parts of 
that of that place that like I have family history in that I um, that is just like endangered, like could be gone within my lifetime. Mm. And additionally, like my family was like a lot of my dad's um, siblings were are like fishers and shrimpers in southern Louisiana, and they were like in, super screwed over by the BP oil spill. Um, and like they were like a part of the the group of people that were like not only super economically disadvantaged from that, but they were also like recruited to like clean up the oil that like <laughs> messed up their water. Yeah. So like growing up, like you know th- that was kind of the backdrop that I just like couldn't stand. I was like, why would I don't want this? But then I realized like it's like messed up that it has to be that way and it doesn't have to. And mm-hmm. I, my perspective has really changed on like from resentment towards the place and more towards like the systems that made it like this. Mm, mm, that feels like a mic drop. Cool. We're done. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Honestly, what a beautiful conversation. And and I have Cherokee ancestor roots. And so I really relate to this conversation. I'm in Asheville, North Carolina area. And this whole area was trail of tears and a lot of removal and of the human experience. And so I'm just really loving hearing the story that you had of, I want to rebel, I need to leave, I need to get away, and then realizing that this is impacting people, whether you are there or not, or whether you're working on this or not. And I love that you're pulling from that Human Nation, you know, family lineage and really seeing how people used to work with the land. So I can't even imagine some of those skylines, right? I look out and I see my mountains here with giant towers and I have those feelings, but it's it's got to really just impact you. So what did you decide to do? Did you go to school at first? Like, how did you get really fully back into this work? Yeah, that's a good question too. So I was like a really um, like like wayward kid so like I um was able to like get sponsored in a scholarship to go to France my senior year of high school and I was like the first of my family to have like ever left the country and I was just like blown away and enamored by it all so um, (laughs) travel will do it won't it (laughs) especially it's just like I mean I'm like I mean I know I don't have an accent right now but I'm just like a reformed country bumpkin like like, in my like that wasn't really um there you know I just kind of did it um and so for a time I was just like oh I just want to do like travel and language stuff and so whenever I went to college I but I still did actually like geography and sustainability just because I really um that was just like more of a a, like a a passion I suppose I just like Mm -hmm. really love nature and um there's something there's like some element to like travel and like imagining things um and there's like cultural exploration there and maps and all of that so like I I was like why not let's do geography but then I had like this like really random um opportunity to go to India I applied I ended up doing this special program called the Hindi Urdu flagship and I lived in so I studied Hindi and Urdu really intensely for like five years which is maybe the most random thing about me um but it helped pay for school and I got to go to India and that where I don't really use it much now the nice thing about it is that I think like I said coming from such a small town like there's not like a lot of exposure there and like it's like pretty like you're pretty sheltered from like the world like you don't I feel like I didn't grow up knowing a lot about current events or just like what it's like to be in a different place in the history of them so like for sure like this like going to India beyond just like learning language um was maybe the most impactful like learning experience for me to understand the besides like I guess like my own family lineage but that's a whole different story (laughs) um like 
um, colonialism and imperialism and right. um, the effects of like the British Empire and like how that's like really like shaped the world that I, we all live in today. Um, so that was like definitely like a moment, like a paradigm shift in my head um, through through that um, moment in college. Um, and then really like I got this job at Sierra Club just because I, I interned there in college whenever I was in Austin. That's where I went to school, UT Austin. Okay. Um, like first generation, just kind of like, I don't know, trying to see what what landed. I was like very unsure of what I wanted to do, but um, then this like became something that I really liked. And then I realized that it was something I had a lot to offer because I had a pretty like important perspective as like someone like with lived experience in a place right. that is one of the most important places, I think, not to be biased, but I also don't, <laughs> I don't think this is also a stretch to say that the Gulf Coast is like one of the most important places in the country to, um, in order to fix the climate crisis and to um, really like think about environmental justice um, from like a from a historical and racial justice perspective. Um, so I got back to it mostly because because I I mean I was like an Urdu data analyst for like like three weeks at apple interestingly <laughs> it was actually just more like data entry and i hated it i was like oh my gosh this cannot be my life and then this job came up so that's honestly how i got into it and then i found so much opportunity to um take like what is this like communications role and do so much more than just like pr or like do stuff that's with media like conventional media and i that part is like fun and important but i found sure. that like there is an element of like storytelling, but not even just storytelling, but but like being like an expert listener and being able to like listen well and then be a vessel for stories that is that I just really loved. And it kind of brought me back to like this sense of like interest and curiosity that I was like um, exploring as a kid and like whenever I was wanting to leave so badly and that I can still actually tap into now by being like there's like a whole world of people in this area that I was like running from that are just amazing I've learned so much it's like continued education all the time mm. in, a, in a really powerful way not like in a sterile like academic kind of way right and this in this grassroots bottom-up conversation I love how you bring up storytelling and listening this is clearly a huge theme for the work that you guys do and this is in the role as you are titled right the Gulf Coast Deputy Press Secretary which I love so much <laughs> yeah. so I want to kind of unpack that a little like you said we you guys have stepped away from some of traditional marketing which is a little more forward messaging right this is why we're saving the earth this is what we care about and you're flipping this so Help me understand how the Climate Listening Project has come about, what your role is, what you're doing with this really deep, active listening. I think it's such an important conversation to unpack. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, very quickly, like, as, as soon as I, like, started working more, like, intentionally in the Gulf Coast region, um, and there was so much more interest from, like, big greens and stuff, um, we, like the context and the history in the Gulf Coast is just so nuanced and so important to, it's like really important to understand that like, it's not just like, oh, we can like stop a bunch of fossil fuel infrastructure. Like it is, this is like a long game project um, to transform the Gulf Coast. So you can't just come in and and um, imagine just like, oh, in, in three years, we will have stopped every single like fracked gas export project. That's right. not the right 
framing for it. It's too linear and it's too um, like it's not it's not real. It's not rooted in not feasible, really, in a lot yeah. of ways. Unfortunately, with these systems that you guys are working through, <laughs> also culturally, like the fr- like yeah, this, like the hard fact is that like the Gulf Coast is like there are people who really depend on this industry, and no matter how um, like bizarre that might feel to people it's like well truly there are no other like there are very few other options and the idea of taking it away without having a firm goal or investment in mind for a better future um will like go nowhere for people and it hasn't so like the idea with the climate listening project and even my podcast is really like to do the long game narrative work to like start doing those culture shifts because really you can't like you can try to do it from the top or like from a policy perspective but like ultimately like you got to reach people like in like internally and and i would say meet them where they are is the phrase yeah Yeah. no it's exactly that so um and also because like it's a it's a the thing that like like capitalism corporate like polluting corporations or the polluting industry the thing that they're so good at besides just um i mean i don't know having like this crazy like political and economic regime is that they are really good at like suppressing people's imagination for the future um they're like this is it also for also like they're really good at altering people's memory i think of like this is how it's always been which is not true Hmm. Um, so it's both a way to like get people to remember and to imagine and to also imagine and then to have the desire to create something that's different um and that it can only really come from like listening and storytelling. You can't do that from like, can you please go to this public comment period and say like how this thing has affected you? It's really like, it's like a, it's a kind of a, both like a creative and cultural and spiritual endeavor to, um, it's a, uh, to, to like try to, um, yeah, change a culture and then like take the narrative control away from like industry and back into the collective. And um, it is really hard, but it's also really fascinating. And it's a lot of experimenting. And that's just like not the status quo of like nonprofit work or communications work, even. Right. It's deliberately slow and it's deliberately um, like experimental also. Cause like you have to imagine something with people that doesn't exist. Absolutely. And just the beauty of what we're doing is, like you said, the way to dismantle systems isn't just to stay in policy or to just listen, right? There has to be this really organic ability to move these conversations of listening to the policy people and then create this change. But that requires so much creativity. So how did the creative sides get into things, right? There's the Gulf Coast murals. I mean, honestly, the song in front of your podcast, um, Breaking the Cycle, is so great. So how are you guys integrating creativity into this process to be a little disruptive and traditional communications, which I'm all here for, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, there's like, it's like a both and, you know, you need, it's it's definitely not an either or, but definitely I think that the investment in the artistic and the creative stuff is, is, there's a dearth there that I think we're we're working on growing, um, but so like the reason why I wanted to do that was all it, in some way because I just thought it was more fun, <laughs> like it was more fun for me and it was really fun to like talk to creative people um, mm-hmm. and sort of like play a producer role almost. Where like I'm not an artist or a musician, but I know people who are so talented and I, there's something beautiful about putting these pieces together to make a new, whole new thing. 
And um, but also, it's just like it's a way for people to see themselves in the in the work in the podcast or whatever kind of thing you have. Um, it's like those are people that in the community people can recognize, even if they don't know them personally. It could also be like, oh, this reminds me of another person. Neither we're all local people, and I think that makes such a difference because it's like it, it makes it just that much more relatable and um, personal. Um, and art is like a way for us it's like not just like a um like a i don't know like a cathartic thing i mean it is but it's also it really is like um it's a strategy honestly mm -hmm. like there's this thing that i feel lately that's like there's this like new new like shifts or precedent that's being set i think in the gulf south which is so beautiful which is like celebration and especially during and like get, like we have more gatherings we're seeing more gatherings happening here where art is a part of it, music is a part of it, dance and poetry and connection. Um, and I feel like that's not normally the the tone for things. I feel like there's like this sort of like hyper, like, I don't really, I, this is like, I don't know how I feel about this analogy, but I kind of feel it in my body to say that it's um, sort of like hyper, like fundamentalist, like Christian feeling, like in a, in a toxic way of like mm -hmm. that, in a an environmental movement, it ha you have to, you can't be smiling. You have to be deeply <laughs> it's sad. It's all serious, no nonsense. Yeah, I yeah, really yeah. hear what you're saying. <laughs> you must suffer through it and you must like be on your knees repenting for it. That's how I feel, honestly. But I feel like there's the other side of like, if not to continue, like I can go on and like a religious analogy. I don't mean to do that, <laughs> but like, but there are like joyous moments of like celebration and worship that are different. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's what's changing is like we are like joy is a right, celebration is a strategy um, to change. And mm -hmm. I feel like art is a way to get people to be joyful and to celebrate. It's like because you won't celebrate over sorrow and despair and the the things that come out of it. Like that's like a very suppressing um, like state of being right. that being like hopeless and you also and you don't create out of hopelessness i feel like i mean i guess maybe some people could but like i i don't think that like that is something that people want to commune over in the same way right and it's not so much that future building right that what i'm hearing yeah. too is that this emotional expression part that creativity brings is the ability to feel all those emotions because there is sadness there is destitute there is fear all of that exists, which art can hold space for and then provide the space to catharsis that to leave room for future visions and beauty and joy. And I am so here for that. That's why I've really, really loved the project and watching all of you collectively work together in your own unique silos to really build this. So we only have a minute or two left. Are there any future visions or dreams that you feel like are important to share with those who are listening today that maybe have come out of some of your listening work? Yeah, I mean, the podcast is growing a whole lot and eventually like we'll get to a season two, but we're really like making it into an umbrella of like different creative works, including documentaries, um, mini documentary series. There's um, more mural projects along the way. Um, but I think that... Um, like a lot of it's just like time will tell like there's like <laughs> that's kind of like the the best part though is like we are actually have so much liberty to try a lot of different things but um there's one thing that i'm really excited about and this is personal not necessarily for work but that like fine. I, 
Um, I almost don't want to say it because I don't want anybody to steal my idea, but it is a good one, um, to make a graphic novel that's um, not necessarily apocalyptic, but um, it sets, this, it sets a, up a future in which, um, you know, things go exactly according to plan for industry, but then there's a different, but it's not a doomsday kind of ending. I want, but it's, this is a, a way for me in my mind to reach people in a different way and to communicate stories in a different way, but also to be really imaginative and also literally create a future that's like beautiful and bright and put it on paper and see you and like give people um, a way to that don't live in the Gulf coast, but also who do live in the Gulf coast to like understand the reality, the reality that we are living in and what we can look forward to. So it's both like an educational piece that I really want to see happen. And then also a um, an imaginative an imaginative creative piece also. I love it well stay tuned how can people find you or the climate listening project or anything you're involved in so they can check out this new project you are clearly going to get off the ground <laughs> yeah, for sure um so my honestly just twitter is is great for um that's my more like professional pu- like public social media um you can find me at dude you guys i <laughs> love it my handle um and then you can like my if you just google my name you'll find my email through sierra club so i'm also just available that way um yeah that's perfect well courtney i hate we have to wrap up today but i'm so grateful that you were here and as always this is art heroes with jph where we share tips and tools of our community's most innovative entrepreneurs artists and innovators thank you so much for tuning in and please visit bizradio.us And as always, stay creative. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.